0: Welcome back to Don't Punt the Geo, your football podcast on the Tar Heel Blog Podcast, hosted by TarHeelBlog.com on the SBNation.com network. We've got 13 days until kickoff against South Carolina, and that would tell me that it's uh, high time to talk about this roster for the 2019 Tar Heels. With me is the first person that I would come to to talk about such a thing, Mr. Jake Lawrence in Arizona. How are you doing, sir?
1: doing great, Chad, man. How
0: you doing? Oh, man, I am doing quite well. Um, it's about 97 degrees and about 200% humidity, and I thought, hey, what a great time to cut the grass. Um, so a little dehydrated, but other than that, cannot complain. What about yourself? Uh,
1: in Arizona, it's also about 97 degrees, but it's a dry heat, so not quite as humid as what you were used to out there.
0: That's right, man. Uh, I, I was in Austin uh, most of last week, and people were complaining about it non-stop and it was a little humid but i mean you know, it was like 105 degrees and i thought it was delightful but
1: (laughs) people don't know humidity till they've been to georgia or north carolina so uh it's hard to take their complaint seriously
0: no no uh i I was gonna say something about swamp ass but this is a family podcast jake yeah 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 um well I, i i can put the rated r uh little notification on it but i don't think we'll need to do it today jake matt brown just did us a big favor and he named sam howell the starting quarterback so this was actually perfectly timed we were talking about going on and doing this before he made that announcement so i would have to say let's start with the quarterbacks uh for me sam howell was the default option you have a highly touted in-state kid um no real discernible difference in experience between him uh, uh jace Reuter and Cade Fortin. Uh, what were your thoughts on that announcement?
1: not really surprised. Uh, and, you know, he said that he's been – he said that Howell had been a little bit more consistent than the other two. Uh, and Longo came out last week and said – or earlier this week and said that Cade is the better passer and Reuter is the better runner. And Howell is not quite as good at either one of those things, but he's the best combination. Uh, so, um, you know, in-state kid. Uh, he's also Mac's first major recruit. Uh, and gives him the first shot, but I don't think this is the end of this. He's going to get the first looks and practice, run, running more reps with, with the first squad, but uh, I do not think that, th- that this is going to be really settled for a couple of weeks, maybe even to the first couple of games.
0: Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, there There is the point of just getting a guy a little bit more, a few more reps, um, having not been on a college campus as long as the other two. So, you know, it could be a smokescreen still. Um, two questions for you then. Over, under, uh, two and a half quarterbacks that we see two weeks from now against South Carolina.
1: Oh, I'll go under, but I think that we see all three in the first three weeks. So I don't think he's going to make it too confusing that first game. Uh, but uh, so I'll say that he'll keep it to two unless an injury takes place. But definitely going to gonna see all three uh, before the first quarter of the season is over.
0: I think I would agree with you on that. Uh, second question, does Sam Howell start the North Carolina State game on November
1: 30th? Ooh, I don't think so. I don't think he holds on.
0: But I'm a Jace Reuter fan, so that's where that's coming from. You are a diehard Jace Reuter stan, and I, I respect that. Um, I mean, four for five for 80 yards and a touchdown last year, so his stats hold up pretty well. and. You know, really, the fact that none of these guys are Nathan Elliott or Chaz Surratt makes me pretty happy. Um, I thought Fortin looked really good last year. I think the drop issues that the receivers had uh, going back to the Virginia Tech and the NC State games where he played extensive snaps were really just due to uh, increased velocity on his passes. So hopefully the receivers are used to catching a little bit faster of a ball at this point. Yeah, and I,
1: I think – I don't think that the, the issues that we saw last year, I agree, were were multifaceted and not necessarily on the quarterback. Some was – or some were, some were not. Uh, but overall, I mean, regardless, you're getting an upgrade, and I'm not positive that there's a bad fit or a bad choice among the three, but you're going to have to choose one, and uh, that's the choice it made for right now.
0: You can only play one. Um, let's talk about the guys that they will be throwing to. Daz Newsom has kind of emerged as the ringleader of this wide receiving core, um, mostly to me, due to the fact that he's been healthy throughout camp. Uh, what do you expect from Newsom this year?
1: I really think that Newsom has a chance to play himself into an NFL draft pick this season uh, if the offense is clicking, uh, just because he can do so much uh, and he's so athletic. So if it's not necessarily his receiving, if they keep using him on special teams, we've seen him out of the backfield. Uh, I I, I do not think an an all-ACC kind of season, maybe not quite first team, uh, but maybe a second team all-ACC selection is what you're looking at with Newsom's potential uh, depending on uh, health and depending on team success.
0: Yeah, and I have not done enough uh, film analysis of Longo's offense, but I know uh, A.J. Brown was essentially his slot last year. Uh, Newsom fits the slot receiver position better than he does one of the outside spots but when you look at other candidates for the slot I mean that's where you have the most depth in my opinion I would toe groves who has been impressive in camp uh blah. blah, blah. uh Corey Bell who was maybe the star of the spring game coming out of the slot uh, after Trent, after moving from a cornerback do you think they do you think one of those guys pushes Newsom to the outside or do you think you put the best player in the best position
1: so I'm typically for best player and best position. But in this case, without, with, with so much unproven talent uh, that you have at the wide receiver core, I mean, you have Antoine Green, who's come back from injury. you got Diami Brown. Uh, you got Toe Groves, who's coming off of two injuries uh, on, I think, successive years. Corey Bell, former cornerback. Um, Bo Corrales, I think, battle injuries or suspension last year, maybe a little bit of both. Um, the bottom line is that they, there's not a lot of proven talent there. So you got to put Newsome where he can best help the team. Uh, And in this case, that might mean moving him all over the field because he's going to be a marked man against all the defenses. So uh, I think you you go with a couple other players in the slot more consistently, uh, but I I do think you'll definitely see Newsom line up in the slot. I think you're going to see him line up in the A-back. I think you're going to see him line up on the outside. Uh, A little bit of
0: everything from him this year. I would agree, and uh, probably the go-to guy as a returner as well. I'm really excited about De'Ami Brown um you know a guy who can play on the outside he was a little thin coming in last year but we put on some good weight true sophomore uh had some moments late in the season i'm really excited about him uh emerging you know possibly as the primary threat as the season goes along
1: yeah i think he probably has the highest ceiling out of out of everyone else and maybe even higher overall ceiling than daz daz just has the experience on him of a couple of years uh, he was highly touted coming out of high school. Uh, he was considered one of the one of the gems of that trio of receivers uh, that we had before Jordan Adams uh, went to play baseball. Uh, and he was he was really earning rave reviews last year um, in his first spring season when he enrolled early. Uh, so you know it's hard for freshman wide receivers to make an impact uh, traditionally. It just is, uh, but with a year under his belt now and without a lot of competition. Um, uh, In the wide receiver core, uh, I definitely think that if you're looking for a breakout uh, star, so to speak, uh, I think that he's a good candidate for that to really uh, exceed
0: expectations. I I can't disagree with the thing there. Um, Antoine Green, another guy from that trio of uh, 2018 recruits, uh, had the gruesome foot injury against Syracuse last year. I'm not quite sold that he is back to full speed. So. You know, we've seen reports that he and uh, Emory Simmons, the true freshman from Fayetteville who was in for the spring, are kind of battling it out. Simmons, another highly touted guy. Uh, How do you see that position breaking down uh, where you have Bo Corrales as maybe a bigger body as well? And then, you know, at the end of the day, you've got the freshman in Welton Spotsville, uh, Justin Olson, and uh, De'Ami Brown's brother, Choffrey Brown.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna revert back to what I said about freshman wide receivers and just keep expectations low. Uh, and they may be battling it out uh, between Emory and and Antoine. And that's great, um, but I would I would err on the side of Bo Corrales there once he gets his feet set, uh, and if he gets comfortable in the offense, just from an experience standpoint, this offense with Longo, uh, the receivers have said allows a lot more flexibility of just go find a spot that's open and sit on it. Go find grass is what they're being told. Um, as opposed to having specific routes to run. Uh, And so those who might rely more on athleticism, someone like Bill Corrales, uh, I think has a chance to flourish in the system uh, early on uh, as everyone
0: else kind of finds the groove. Well, you took the point right out of my mouth. I think Corrales is definitely the guy early. Um, I I think getting getting a little extra size on the field will be beneficial. And, you know – Whoever the quarterback is, um, you know, this is a quarterback and receiver chemistry offense. So if you have a guy who has been in the battles before a little bit, he's going to be able to read coverages, know where to sit on those routes as they find grass. Um, I think he's going to be the starter uh, early on. I don't know if he's got the highest upside of those three guys that we just mentioned for that position.
1: Yeah, I don't think his ceiling is as high, but I think he's more of a known quantity.
0: Um, and he has
1: shown the, the ability to develop a rapport with various quarterbacks, regardless of their skill set the past couple of years. Uh, and so now given someone who can really throw the ball in uh, with his size, I think that's the compliment you're looking for uh, to Daz Newsom on the outside, if Daz is forced to the outside at
0: all. Yes, sir. Uh, tight ends. They have a lot of them. Um, None of them have really done much of anything outside of uh, Carl Tucker, who has had a few explosive games followed by a few unfortunate injuries. Correct. So what is the question? Um, I I was just going to kind of let you cook. Um, Okay, cool. Not not a problem. So
1: now I got this, man. Uh, I don't know what to expect from them, to be honest. And what we do know is that One of our biggest frustrations was that the former staff seemed to have the the Titans just disappear for long stretches of time. Um, Some of that might have been injury. Some of that might have been necessity. Um, I'm not positive that there's another pass catcher in addition to Carl Tucker. But when you're looking at the running game that we have, I don't know if there's a better blocker than Jake Vargas. I mean, last year he was just he would maul people downfield. Um, and I think it's the perfect compliment. The question here, though, is I'm not sure that position's very deep. So I don't know if they can sustain an injury to one of those two uh, just because the other two guys, Noah Turner and Garrett Walton, uh, Walston, are, are so unknown right now.
0: Yeah, you got Brandon Fritz back allegedly for a sixth year. Um, you got Kamar Morales coming in as a true freshman. The way I kind of see this – the way I kind of see this breaking down is if UNC goes to slightly heavier personnel, I can see Tucker kind of as a lead blocker HVAC type. And Vargas, what you said with his blocking acumen is going to be a weapon, I believe. So, again, we agree too much on this podcast. It does not make for great audio. but <laughs> No, it doesn't. But, hey, we're giving everyone out there a, a, an honest
1: rundown of what we're looking at. And, and here's the thing with Vargas, too, and, and why I really like him and his role. Is that the offensive line is experienced, but they don't have a lot of cohesion, uh, and there's a lot of mixed and matched parts or mixed and matched parts on there. Embargus um, gives you a known quantity uh, as an additional blocker uh, if needed to help either provide extra protection or maybe clean up a mistake or two um, on some especially early in the season as the offensive line is kind of learning each other and learning any new or multiple quarterbacks.
0: Segway alert um, <laughs> Charlie Heck. Uh, All ACC talent at left tackle. Nick Polino could start at center, could start at right guard. I'm kind of hoping at this point that he starts at center, although apparently he's had some trouble with his snaps. Um, I think, I I just think there's more talent uh, at the guard positions behind him in Ed Montillis, William Barnes, Billy Ross. Um, You know, offensive line coaches, uh, Sam Pittman said this. I know Chris Kapilovic said this during his time at UNC, but you really want. Eight guys who can kind of rotate in. The Heels probably, I mean, let's see, Brian Anderson, Jordan Tucker. Um, the Heels probably have about seven established guys um on the inside. But the outside, you know, outside of Charlie Heck, I don't really know where you get the protection at right tackle. Uh Jordan Tucker's penciled in as the starter. He's 6'7, 340. Uh red shirt sophomore you got Marcus McKeithan behind him and then some freshmen alongside that. What's what's the biggest kind of red flag for you on the offensive line? Uh,
1: my red flag is just the lack of time that these guys have played together and the multiple position switching. Uh, I think Heck might be the only one who's really penciled in and has extensive time at his position. Uh, if if Polino goes to center, that means that someone else is, is taking over over at the guard spot. Uh, Tucker has a little bit of experience, on a lot. Ed Montellis, I believe, is
0: a – is he a sophomore this year? He's a redshirt freshman. He did not play a snap. He's a redshirt
1: freshman, yeah. So he didn't play a snap last year. So second year of football, first year of of actual competition. Um, So there's just – while there's some proven experience, there's also a lot of youth. And an offensive line, especially adding in a new offensive coordinator and a new system and the multiple quarterbacks – you have to have some sort of cohesion. Um, if one offensive lineman breaks down, the entire play can break up. Uh, that's not necessarily the case if one receiver messes up or one running back messes up. And so my my concern there is that uh, they're gonna they can go eight deep and that's great, but I'm not positive they're comfortable enough with each other yet. And I think that's going to lead to some problems early on, especially against potentially more uh, a more experienced defense like maybe in Miami. Uh, and that's where I think that we need to we need to watch. Uh, more than just the overall talent.
0: Yeah. Uh we're we're gonna go, come back and do a schedule breakdown uh sometime in the next two weeks. But if this schedule was literally flipped on its head and we start with NC State, Mercer and Pitt as opposed to South Carolina, Miami and Wake, I would feel a lot better about it because they could build that cohesion off of slightly less um difficult opponents. But and yes, that is completely shade. That, that that is some uh shade at NC State and
1: Pitt. <laughs> well, you know i mean the the truth is that they aren't uh they aren't Miami and South carolina, and uh, even for south carolina's struggles and their and their seemingly belief that they are some sort of football school uh they historically haven't been, but they still are a tough they will be a tough formidable opponent, and have proven to be in the past couple of times we played them uh but going back, i mean I think Polino played the majority of the snaps, if not all of the snaps at the scrimmage this weekend at center position, which uh that's usually pretty telling. Uh, and if that's what's going to end up happening, then that means they feel good about the other positions. Uh, and so, while he may be struggling with the snaps, he also is experienced, and so you at least put someone experienced at the center position, and that can help. Uh, but I still think that uh, you're looking at a lot of the, at a lack of cohesion across the five uh, for the for the first couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, I think if another center like Brian Anderson had emerged, we would know a little bit more about that because um, Polino would be. Penciled in at the right guard, We've had, we'd have we'd have we would have Tucker, and we would be ready to go with um, with you know some solid depth pieces in William Barnes and Billy Ross. My my hope is that Barnes lives up to his billing this year and becomes an absolute monster, and he and Montillas take over the uh, guard positions going forward. Yeah, that'll be a best case scenario, Uh,
1: and I think Barnes has been running largely with the twos, and he that might just be something where uh, you know he's recruited by one coach in one system, he has to learn another one, and uh, he's also just going to be a sophomore or redshirt freshman. I think he played some last year, but I still think he maintained his freshman eligibility. I think. Yes, he did. Um, So he's still, so he's he's still inexperienced too. So it'll be this will be a good year to see what we have for the future. Um, while also uh, seeing how they mesh to have some sort of success this year, but I do think there's a strong, strong foundation for seasons after this one as well.
0: So we would say the overall theme for everything we've talked about on this offense is inexperience. Let's talk uh, about yeah. let's talk about the most experienced position group on the field, the running back position. You've got Michael Carter back, you've got Antonio Williams back, and then you've got Javante Williams who for my money, still is going to end up leading this team in carries. Uh, That might be a hot take because Michael Carter is very good. Uh, Michael Carter is also very injury-prone. How do you see this shaking out? Because, you know, I I look at it as a running back by committee, but if you want a power running game, Javante Williams provides that.
1: Well, much like Sam Howell kind of provides the best of both worlds um, among the quarterbacks as of right now, uh, I think Javante Williams provides the best of both worlds of all three running backs, and all three running backs have very different skill sets, but they complement each other really well, uh, and you've got your explosive athleticism in Carter, you've got your absolute bully in Antoine Williams, uh, and then you have a little bit of both in Javante, who hits like a truck, but he also is a little bit more explosive and a little bit faster than what um, than what Antoine is, so uh, I think – or I'm sorry, Antonio, not Antoine, I'm getting – Antoine Green and Antonio Williams mixed up. Um but Antonio Williams. Um and so I think that uh I think with that uh, you're gonna see him be able to take on more opponents where you'll see Carter and Antonio Williams kind of being I don't want to say situational, but they'll have their games depending on the the makeup of the defense. Whereas Javante you could probably roll out against every defense and he's gonna have some sort of success.
0: Yeah. Uh the other way I could see it breaking down is Michael Carter being the primary guy and then at least between the 20s, and then Javante Williams and Antonio Williams being kind of more of the goal line guys. I think if you're looking to demoralize the defense late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, you go Javante Williams and tell him to bowl some people over. Um, I mean, I'm excited about all three. And Antonio Williams was awesome last year. Michael Carter's been awesome for two years. You can't really go wrong there.
1: No, you can't. And, and I think my, my, my question is, who's, gonna, who's gonna, going to emerge in the passing game? Uh, because I think that, you know, when you're looking and we talked about some of the inexperienced problems and a quarterback uh, issue or quarterback inexperience, you need a safety valve there at some point. And all of them have the ability to be successful in the open field. Uh, but I'm curious how they're going to be utilized in the passing game to kind of give that extra wrinkle that's going to be necessary and can also be devastating. And I don't mean the bubble screens and the and the and the little wheel routes that they kept trying to run under Fedora. But, I mean, in, in different ways, uh, if any of them can actually provide uh, a, a, an actual safety valve in the passing game.
0: Yeah, and, you know, you look at the two Williams guys, they're going to be better as extra blockers, I think, if uh, the offensive line is not quite meshing well. Uh, Carter, hands down, is the best receiving threat out of three, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I'm just curious how they'll end up using them. And that kind of goes to the breakdown of Javante and Antonio as well. So uh, Carter is clearly the best in open space. Um, and so I, I hope that, that that emerges even more than what it has. Uh, I'm just kind of It's just kind of something to watch. I don't, I don't know if I have an opinion one way or the other, uh, but I think that's going to be a, a critical wrinkle at times this year uh, for, uh, for the inexperience that we're going to see on the field on the offense.
0: Absolutely. Give, give me three games where I can kind of assess what Phil Longo is really trying to do, and we'll get back to this discussion um, maybe prior to the App State game. Uh, Jake, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to pay some bills, get right back to you, and talk about the defense. Good. And we are back. Jake, we've got a very confusing defense to break down here, and... <laughs>
1: We'll try to keep it simple because no one really knows what we're going to be looking at this year.
0: Absolutely. Well, we do know, well, we pray that we will be looking at Aaron Crawford uh, playing the nose tackle position. And if he stays healthy, then everything else looks a whole lot better.
1: Yeah, I think it all starts up front. I think it always starts up front. Uh, And then healthy Aaron Crawford is going to, I don't want to say make or break, but it's really going to influence uh, the direction of this defense. Uh, and he has struggled the past couple of years with some injuries and probably some some positional or scheme fits uh but this year uh, I think that he's locked in the nose tackle position has earned nothing but rave reviews rave reviews since he's come back from his injury. so um I think that i I feel good about the first uh about the first string of the defense,
0: yeah, if Crawford goes down, shit kind of hits the fan in my opinion. Uh, you got Jaleel Taylor as a redshirt freshman. You've got Brent Lawless as, I mean, technically a redshirt freshman though. He's eligibility wise, he's a true freshman, but he was on campus last year. Um, it gets real ugly real quick if Crawford goes down. I'm trying to speak this out of existence.
1: Yeah, so let's get we let's get all the karma out. Let's get all of that. Just go ahead and address it up front and see if he goes down. The defense is going to take a noticeable step back if he does not go down, this defense has the chance to really be a major surprise in the ACC this year.
0: Boom. Um, At the four eye, you've got Jason Strobridge, maybe the second most important on the defense. And beyond that, I mean, really the way I look at this is it's uh, two defensive linemen, two kind of rush linebacker, defensive end types, two uh, inside linebackers. And then you've got your defensive backfield. Um, what do you see with Strowbridge and then maybe behind him as well? Uh, I think
1: I think Strobridge, you're going to see an actual – he's going to put his hand on the ground, an actual defensive end rusher. You're not going to see much hybrid or any hybrid from him uh, the way that we've heard about with Bateman's scheme. Uh, he'll be the good complement, and I think that he's probably going to end up – I'm going to take a guess here, and I think that his stats are probably not going to back up the impact that he's going to have because I think he's going to draw the attention of of offensive lines. Uh, and I think that the that should end up making room for the linebackers then to feast in the backfield if all goes according to plan. Um, so I think he's going to be a force, but I'm not positive it's going to show up in the, in the box scores at the end of the game just because of the way uh, Bateman's going to run the schemes.
0: Yeah, I would take the under on his five-and-a-half sacks from last year. I agree with you there. I think uh, both he and Crawford are going to be asked to Occupy blocks, if they if they can get clear of a double team, great. But really to free up the hybrids, like you mentioned, is going to be kind of their M.O. Um, behind Strobridge, a lot more question marks. Uh, you got Zach Gill, who's a redshirt sophomore. Um, he's got the body type to where he could end up playing back up at the nose as well. And then you just have a bunch of dudes, man. Uh, three true freshmen who are all kind of raw. Uh, redshirt freshman lance Ture, who apparently put on like 40 pounds in the offseason so i think Good he's Lord. he's kind of I my guy to, he, he's kind of my guy to watch uh, phil Steele has him as 65 235 i saw a report that he was pushing 280 um so i kind of see him as a guy who could emerge this year and maybe try to hold off the kedrick Bingley joneses and miles murphy's uh, coming in next year but I have nothing really to base that on based on film I am just going purely off size uh and a little, a little bit of pedigree because his his brother played at Rutgers and made the NFL which is pretty impressive.
1: Uh anything coming out of Rutgers and having success is impressive. Um but you mentioned these outside guys too and it's difficult to have this conversation without mentioning the linebackers because you're going to see so much um so much fluidity between the edge rushers uh, and your edge linebackers with the way Bateman goes or Bateman runs it. And look, I mean, no one really knows what this looks like, no matter how many videos you want to watch and how many X and O's talks you want to have. Uh, it's going to look kind of weird. The only way that I can really explain it is to give you an idea of what we're going to, what you expect is at army last year, their top two um, leaders in sacks with I believe eight and a half and five and a half were both linebackers. Uh, because of the way he runs the schemes. Now, you're kind of forced to do that at Army because a lot of times you're undersized and you have to get creative, but there's no reason to think that that's not going to be successful with more athletic players. Um, And in some cases, Army probably had more athletic players than Carolina did the past couple of years at that position. But um, you're going to see a lot – I think you're going to see a lot of your disruption and tackles for losses come from those positions. Uh, And so uh, that's where I'm interested in – I think I'm, I'm interested in Jake Lawler uh, and I'm interested in – oh, you just mentioned him a minute ago. Um, and his name now escapes me.
0: Uh, Turin, and Or is that Gil? Or is uh, Alan Cater we haven't mentioned yet? I think – no, I was reading about Tom on, uh,
1: Taman Fox. Uh, so we oh, we're we're getting Taman there. Fox, but I think Taman Fox is going to end up playing a lot on both. And I think that I'm interested to see what Lawler can do in a new role and a fresh start. I'm interested to see what Fox can do, allowing his natural athleticism just to let loose uh, from from all over the field.
0: Yeah, straight up, I think Taman Fox um, has double digit sacks and is NFL bound. Uh, just if if Strobridge and Crawford hold up, he's going to be free to attack the passer. He's going to be a monster in this defense. Uh, Chris Collins is slated as the starter on the other side as kind of the hybrid. Don't really know what to expect from him yet, but he looked good in limited action last year. You got Jake Lawler kind of running behind the two of them, as well as I mentioned uh, Alan Cater. And now I'm blanking on a name. Uh, Tyrone Hopper, who is back, I do believe, after having his season kind of cut short by the shoegate suspension and everything. So you've got a little bit better depth at um, the hybrid position. Taman Fox is going to be a monster, though.
1: Yeah, I think he's going to be the one to watch on defense if you're looking for a breakout star. Um, But, you know, you mentioned Hopper, and we also haven't mentioned uh, Ray Vohasek. I think that's how you say it. Uh, He's a JUCO transfer. And he's a guy who, uh, he was coming off an injury, ended up committing North Carolina. But I view him as that perfect little, hybrid between the defensive line and linebacker, not going to overwhelm you, but he's going to provide that solid, consistent depth that you need on on, on a play-by-play basis, um, especially as the season goes on. Uh, and so I think there's a lot of depth there uh, to play around, play around with, at least on the edges, uh, but I'm not positive yet uh, what that looks like as far as talented depth, uh, which we talked about in previous years.
0: Yeah, I mean – Kind of like we mentioned with the offense, kind of having some inexperience. The defense has experience on the first team, but beyond that, you have just a dancing plethora of question marks. Um, That continues at inside linebacker. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, That continues at inside linebacker where Dominique Ross uh, is the elder statesman. I think this scheme switch is going to allow him to really emerge. Uh, One of the notable things that I saw with Army uh, breaking down Jay Bateman is how often the inside linebackers got to the quarterback on delayed blitzes and also were pretty well freed up to to attack the running game. So Ross with his athleticism could be a huge fit there. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, Bateman's
1: going – the easiest way to think about it is we're going from a 4-3 to – a roughly three-four, and I use that loosely because it can it can look really weird at times, and so now you have an extra inside linebacker uh, to play with basically, uh, and I think that leads to a lot of that and allows for some of that confusion uh, on a uh, on a consistent basis. And look, I love the I love the idea of Dom Ross, I, I really do. Um, my guy for a couple of years has been Jonathan Smith, and he just has not put it together, and now he's going to miss a couple of games with a suspension for academic reasons. Um, and so, uh, you know, he's the guy that he has all the athletic tools. It looks like he looks the part, but he's just never, he's never reached his potential. Um, and I think that for this team to reach his potential, it needs everyone to get the absolute max that it can out of themselves. Um, and i looked at the inside linebacker position of probably being the biggest question mark on the team, uh, with potentially the greatest ceiling on the team. Uh, but we just don't know enough right now.
0: Oh, see, I've I've got this as the lowest floor, lowest ceiling position on the team. Um, Smith is a guy who would have fit well in like your typical 4-3 15 years ago. You know, I Mm -hmm. I don't really think he has the lateral quickness that uh, the modern game demands. And, you know, whatever we get from him is just going to be gravy. Uh, Jeremiah Gamel is a guy who has emerged as a potential starter. We know nothing of him because he has not played hardly at all but you kind of hope he puts it together a little bit Um, beyond that. I mean, you've got potential in Matthew Flint, who, you know, was probably the best linebacker recruit the Fedora guys ever brought in Um, a Tommy Thigpen special, really good lateral quickness. Um, He was compared to Bruce Carter coming out of high school. I have not seen it yet, but I mean, really we, we were on the sideline for the spring game. The one time I noticed Matthew Flint was when he was getting trucked by Devontae Williams.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Uh, we, had, we saw it from about 20 yards away. Um, yeah, Flint to me is it, – it's hard to count on him until we see something from him. I think the potential is there. Um, everything we've heard about him is there, but it has to show up at some point. Uh, and he's probably going to need reps to do that. And I don't know what kind of, of offseason he's really had. Uh, but he's just kind of right now. He's just kind of a name that you look at. And you go, okay, well we have him, but you don't know what you're getting out of him. Uh, we also haven't mentioned Chaz Surratt, who has moved from QB to linebacker. Um, you know, who knows how that experiment goes? Uh, if you if you read the quotes, it's a lot of it's a lot of tactful po- political correctness. Of he's he's playing really hard. He understands the game. He's athletic, but it doesn't really mention that he's really going to be able to contribute yet. Um, and so uh, with that, you know, I think probably saying that the, the inside linebackers have the lowest floor of all the position groups is probably accurate. Uh, we'll disagree on their ceiling, but uh, I definitely think that their floor is, is rather low uh, and they haven't proven anything otherwise yet.
0: Yeah, for me with Surratt, I mean, you're looking at a guy making one of the most bizarre position changes that you'll ever see a guy make. Um was shifty in the open field as a quarterback but did not really invite contact. So, yep. you know, if if his mindset has completely changed and he's a guy who's seeking contact, you know, maybe that could become a fun story. But I see him more as a guy who has some quickness and could be could emerge as a leader on special teams, but I don't really I mean if if we're counting on him to give us meaningful snaps at Linebacker, then things have gone awry.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's a nice story. Maybe it's something for next year to watch. But if if we're if we are relying or
0: if North Carolina is relying on him this year, then there are there are some issues going on. Absolutely. The last thing we need to talk about here is the secondary. Well, I guess we need to do special teams as well. Uh, Jake, the heels lose a little bit uh, out of the secondary. They bring back Patrice Rene and. After what we saw late last season and into the spring, I think we're safe in saying that he is as close to a shutdown corner for one side of the field as the Heels have had in a while. Um, I I would give MJ Stewart that credit, but he was more of a nickel under the previous system. Uh, Completely agree. And Renee really came on
1: last year, and when we did this before last season, I remember saying that. Renee last year was supposed to be Renee's year. It was time to put up or shut up. He had to make the jump. And he really did as the year went on. Uh and I don't think there's any doubt that if you're if we're gonna say that Crawford is the anchor of the defense, uh Renee might be its its most important or its most vocal leader at a at a minimum, uh, and is gonna be able to really drive things uh from from behind the line or or from the secondary. Uh he is I think he's the real deal and I think that um uh, any success uh, in the secondary, much like we said, is going to be up front with Crawford on the line. Is going to is going to start and end with Renee uh, in the defensive backfield.
0: Yeah, are you a believer that Greg Ross is actually going to be the starter at the other corner? I'm a believer in the sense that who else do they have?
1: Because they've had so much attrition. Um, and Ross, look, he he struggled last year. He had some he had some key moments where he he didn't meet up to expectations or or do what he needed to do. Uh, but you know at a minimum that's some experience and hopefully if it drives him then and, and he's earned the starting spot then he's earned it uh, but I also think that some of that's likely because they've just lost so much in the offseason this year
0: yeah and there are plenty of names uh behind those two guys and really it's just going to come down to who has it clicked for him uh Trey Morrison we don't need to uh skip mentioning he's going to be the guy at the nickel he was awesome last year uh to make two quick MJ Stewart references, I mean he he looked like at least a late sophomore, early junior MJ Stewart as a guy who was reliable both uh, making tackles and in coverage. So I'm, I'm I'm pretty excited to see what we get from him in year two. But behind uh, Renee and ostensibly Greg Ross, Cameron Kelly, the Auburn transfer, true freshman, four star recruit, does not have his NCAA waiver yet, while. Tate Martell and Justin Fields were able to transfer on much more dubious circumstances. Um, that's kind of the big X factor for me. You know, it's a little bit, you know, what, what people say is that it's easier to come in and play right away the further you are from the ball. So with Kelly, with uh, Storm Duck, who was in for the spring and had the fumble return for a touchdown, you've got two guys who have all the potential in the world there. It's just going to be a matter of, A, is Kelly going to be eligible, and B, is Storm Duck more of a corner, or is he going to fill in at that free safety spot? Yeah, and
1: I mean, the fact that we're only mentioning four names right now, and one of them is a true freshman, shows two you how uh, 2 – I'm sorry, with Cameron Kelly too, right? Uh, yep. So two of them are true freshmen, um, and that really shows how dire that situation is, and the fact that there's not a ruling yet on Kelly's is an absolute Joke, Uh, and I'm not going to go on a rant, but that's pathetic that that they can't come to a a conclusion and we're 13 days away. Um, All of that said, um, you know, with Morrison going to the nickelback and then Renee at the corner and then Greg Ross, I mean, you know, what Duck can give you, great. Uh, And if Kelly is there, I think I do agree that Kelly really gives you some more flexibility. Um, But it's also interesting and I'll, I'll harp on Ross for a minute. You also don't quite know what the Requirements are going to be with a new defensive coordinator, um, and how that influences what Ross can or can do. And we've talked about how this staff is going to put his players in the in the most successful positions, or in the, in the position to be there to be most successful, as opposed to just shoehorning you and fitting you into a predetermined spot. And, and so I think that it's easy to say, well, there's a lot of issues right now, and that's not inaccurate. But it remains to be seen if this coaching staff is able to put these players in the correct positions for success as well that we that we just don't know about yet Um, and so I'll hold off a little bit of hope uh, but completely acknowledge that there are there are legitimate concerns at a cornerback position
0: well the funny thing is you know whereas for the rest of this decade I have been really concerned about coaches putting square pegs into round holes I've got all of the faith in the world right now that Jay Bateman and his staff are going to be a little bit more flexible and understanding of what players limitations might be. Yeah, I really hope so. Um,
1: And I think his background demands that
0: Uh, Elon
1: army and some other stops in between. So he's used to trying to work with uh, players that may be limited uh, to some degree. And I think that whether it's a player that's individual, individually limited, or if it's a entire position group that's limited for various reasons, uh, he has experience with this. So I feel good and trust him to, to make the most of the situation, even if it's not going to be a downright success immediately.
0: Yes, sir. Uh, Before we go to the safeties, I've got a mea culpa. I did not mention two true freshmen at the inside linebacker spot that actually probably have more ceiling to where I would maybe change my answer about saying the inside linebackers uh, have the lowest ceiling as well. Uh, Eugene Asante and Kadri Jackson are both there. um, Both, on the smaller side right now, uh, Kydra Jackson was a safety recruit that they brought him to the spring and decided was going to be a linebacker. If those two guys have the light come on you know, by, let's see, the bye week's October 12th, and then, well, there's second bye on November 9th. I think those guys are going to get extensive action um, in the second half of the season.
1: Yeah, I hope so. Um, and if, and even more so, if there's a way to preserve their 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 eligibility. Um, but if that's not necessary, or if um, you know if they are actually producing to a level uh, above what most freshmen can do, then yeah, I get them on the field. Uh, and so there's some depth there. Uh, and you know, with with Asante, my question is: Is he really as good as they say? Or was he just someone who kind of slid under the radar, and then he gets a lot of attention, and then the recruiting rankings naturally just kind of follow that attention uh, because we know rankings can be kind of fluid like that Uh, so not not hating on the kid I'm just kind of curious because he was such a late bloomer can that continue or is he going to hit a wall to where he has to recalibrate before he can break through that wall uh, in college
0: well he is the wall uh, if you watch his high school film one (laughs) one of of my one of my favorite linebacker films I've seen in a long time definitely my favorite linebacker film that I've seen come to Carolina since uh, maybe Kevin Reddick
1: going back away. Well yeah, good, but yeah. we also well, know that that, that tells you that something not it <laughs> recruit like Fedora didn't really recruit linebackers or develop them. So, you know, that is what it is. And we're we're now looking forward.
0: Man, yeah, it, it it comes to the point where it's just so easy to to uh well I, I was trying to come up with a PC way to say this, but it's so easy to shit on Fedora because there are just so many holes that Mac Brown has filled in eight months on the job. It's it's crazy, man um yep yeah yeah i i just uh finished the last season of a last chance you and fedora and jason brown have a lot of similarities man (laughs) i need to watch i've not watched that season yet i watched the other ones oh guys it's a disaster it's great um (laughs) at (laughs) at the safety position uh right now penciled in is dj ford a guy who was injured last year but good range as a safety six three two fifteen. And with he and Miles Dorn, who has been around forever, it seems like, at 6'2, 210, uh just into the hybrid nature of Jay Bateman's defense, these are two guys that can help you against the pass and in run support. I don't know if they're if they've quite got the speed to keep up with well, they don't have the speed to keep up with the Clemson receivers. Um but you know, they could almost serve as box safeties, both of them and give this defense a little bit more versatility if somebody determines that their game plan is going to be to run on UNC. Well,
1: uh, yeah, one, I agree, but you also forgot Miles Wolfolk, who is back uh, as well. So Mm -hmm. uh, you have three, you have three good options there uh, to, to to play with. And and I'm sure that Bateman will find his ways to do it and maybe even slide forward up to a nickelback position as well to kind of mask some things. Uh, So, uh, I, I do not, because we have those two back there, I don't feel as bad about the run anymore, um, or as we have in the past couple of years. Uh, I think that you're uh, absolutely really drawn to something with the way they can be utilized, uh, especially with our questions at cornerback, uh, the way they they, they they may see the field uh, extensively at the same time.
0: Yeah, my hope in stopping the explosive plays on the run is that, um Bateman and Dre Bly have taught Miles Dorn pursuit angles. Um, <laughs> there, there, were, there, there were a lot Robert of eight-yard runs that turned into 30-yard runs uh, just based on, you know, maybe not taking the right cue from uh, what the blockers and what the running back were doing. So that could be something to watch. But unfortunately, Bryson Richardson, who played a decent amount last year, he appeared in 11 games, uh, he tore his ACL. He's out for the season. Um, behind that, I mean, you've got redshirt freshman DeAndre Hollins, true freshman Giovanni Biggers, who I think will make an impact uh, pretty early in his career, if not this year. Um, yeah, safety. Not that much depth, but at least some talent. And, wow, that is a theme for this defense. Well,
1: the the other thing about safety, too, though, is that, um, you know, Bateman requires his safeties to kind of – quarterback the, the the secondary or actually quarterback the whole defense. A lot of calls um and audibles on the defensive side come from the safety itself. And so uh while both Dorn and and Woolfolk are new to the system, they do have the experience and they understand the game. Uh and it'll be interesting to see uh if they have the uh the capacity to uh to lead the defense from from that perspective. You know, at, at schools like Army where you're dealing with top tier academic kids usually um, that's something that's probably taking for granted a little bit. It'll be interesting to see how that transfers uh, to the field here with, uh, with more athletic, but perhaps not quite as, I mean, look, I'm not putting anyone down, but the, the quality between UNC and West Point is different. Um, and uh, you while you get more athletic kids can more and and Dorn uh, transition to this system and, and be able to run the defense and call the plays they need to. Uh, I think that's a a question that needs to be answered, but can also maybe help, Alleviate some concern when it comes to some of the depth issues if those two can acclimate themselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it definitely helps that they have been on the field uh, for multiple seasons at this point. Um, same yes. holds true with with Strobridge, with Fox, with Crawford, with Dominique Ross. um You know, if UNC was starting from scratch on defense the way they kind of are on offense, it would portend really bad things. Uh, just with the emphasis put on the players to really dictate what they're doing on the defensive side. But uh, just having experienced seniors in all three position groups makes this transition a little bit easier to stomach.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, At least, at least to get to patch up through this year, uh, which makes this year so exciting. But, uh, and it's why that I don't think that all of the, all the national pundits calling for two and three wins again, are quite accurate, um, just because I think that there's enough there to to, to make do. Unfortunately, like you said earlier, the schedule is just. If it was split, I would feel a whole lot better, but it's not, uh, and so it's gonna it's gonna make this year quite a roller coaster.
0: It's gonna be fun, man. Um, any hot takes on special teams? Uh, losing Freeman Jones kind of hurts. He became a pretty consistent option as the place kicker. You've got Michael Rubino in from App State who was replaced pretty early on the season by another guy. Uh, Noah Ruggles, who was two for two on PATs in the Western Carolina game last year. You've got Cooper Graham, who had some bona fides coming in as a recruit. Um, I don't expect you to have any insights to name a starter, but do you have any insights to name a starter? <laughs> uh,
1: no insights to name a starter, but I do think the special teams cost North Carolina at least one game this year. Um the fact that we don't have a starter 13 days out, no one's been named, no one's taken hold of that, uh, and you have so much turnover, uh, I think at the punter position too maybe. Um, I think at some point um, this year special teams is going to end up costing North Carolina a win that they, that they should they, they should not lose.
0: Yeah, at least there's more upside at uh, the punter position with uh, the Irish freshman, Ben Kiernan. Um, I'm all about always having an Australian punter just kind of floating around the roster. Yes. But- but Kiernan, um, he's from Ireland, so he's got some rugby experience as well. Um, I don't know how long he's been in the U.S. Um, this, is, this is not a podcast where we're going to dive into somebody's childhood. But apparently they had to move They had to move special teams practice outside one day because Kiernan kept hitting the ceiling of the indoor facility. Oh, I did
1: not know that. I had not heard that one yet.
0: Well, I, I mean, if anything, we're going to get some hang time.
1: Yeah, perfect. I mean, we'll get good, good punt coverage. Just don't
0: outkick your coverage. Absolutely. And, um, and I'm, I'm still thinking Chad Surratt's going to be a stud on special teams. I'm, I'm just going to take that as Ooh, analysis
1: with no proof. Well, I mean, and, and well, if you're going with, I mean, really, that's where some of these guys make make their names for. Them. And I think Surratt's a good one. And I think you throw him with with Flint and or Asante. And I think if you're looking for anyone to kind of make a name for themselves early um, on special teams, those those could be the ones that do it. Uh, the ones who don't quite have a fit yet on the defensive side of the ball, uh, but they have the they have the aggression and, and natural athleticism to to make an impact. So uh, that's probably a really good call in Surratt.
0: Absolutely. Well, Jake, that's the roster. Uh, is there anybody we missed? I feel a little bit remiss in not mentioning Tomon Fox's brother Tamari, who apparently, I mean, well, first of all, his dad's a uh, personal trainer so uh tomon fox came in physically ready as a true freshman uh tamari fox is a little bit bigger of a guy maybe could slide into that four eye position uh behind strobridge um anybody else we missed
1: no i think we hit everyone we needed to hit on and uh inevitably someone will pop up and surprise us but uh, i think that's about as comprehensive as we can do in, in approximately an hour
0: I thought we did great, man. Um, Jake, what do you have coming to TarHeelBlog.com or elsewhere here in the coming days?
1: Uh, well, for the next few weeks, every Monday uh, and or Tuesday, uh, doing the uh, basketball summer preview series. So every player uh, giving a breakdown of what to expect for the upcoming season. And then later this week, uh, I will, uh, I'm will. i working on a piece about uh, Mac Brown's wall that he is building and recruiting uh, and the absolute um, flip of a job that he has done um, gaining North Carolina recruits compared to what was on the roster in the years prior—it's pretty eye-opening.
0: Man, that is that is the beat for you and I. Um, <laughs> we we, we it's, we've it's probably written that about we probably written that probably about seven or eight times over the past eight months. But I read it every time because I mean it just keeps getting better.
1: It just it just keeps getting better, and you just start you you start looking at, at the difference and and. You know, I'll put this in the article. But Mac has signed uh, twenty of his own North Carolina recruits in nine months, which is more than what North Carolina had on the three total years prior. Uh, so it's just it's just insane uh, when you look at it from that angle. And so I'll I'll dive into that a little bit. Uh, and the North State Journal had a really good article on it too uh, earlier this week that that I'll reference. So that's what's coming from me.
0: I love it. Um, as for me. You're, you're going to have this one on Monday morning. Uh, I'm going to be back with our friend Jacob Cowden to break down the ACC. We're probably going to do that in two separate podcasts, uh, just finishing off our conference preview series. Might might have a non-Tar Heel blog person um, talking to me on Friday. We'll see how that goes. But until then, go ahead, download, subscribe, steal your mom's phone, subscribe on her phone, leave us a five-star review. Please tell your friends about us. Keep on listening, keep it locked, and go Heels.